Podcast. This is a podcast designed to be a resource to pastors and men's ministry leaders everywhere as they build out that engaging ministry with their men. And we do this for one simple reason. Every man deserves the opportunity to become an authentic, biblically-based man of God. This podcast is sponsored by Men's Ministry Catalyst, a ministry in its 42nd year designed to help churches build their ministry with their men. Good day, everyone. My name is Wendell Morton. I am the Executive Director of Men's Minister Catalyst. So good to have you here today. As always, I want to introduce you to my co-host, Dale Udy. Dale, welcome to the podcast. So good to have you. Wendell, always good to be with you. Let me reintroduce for our friends that are listening to us. Our speaker who was with us on our last podcast, Dr. Clarence Schuler, is back with us again today, and we're just glad to have him. He was telling us during the last podcast about the dark place and the depression that he went through. And it really fostered writing a book that kind of detailed some of his journey, finding hope in a dark place, facing loneliness, depression, and anxiety with the power of grace. I love that byline on there, Clarence. Dr. Schuler, it's good to have you back with us. Why don't you begin by taking us back again, those initial steps you came to a reality point, and you saw the need to get some help and encouragement along the way. Why don't you recap that and then launch us back into your book? Well, the thing that, you know, when I was going through this depression, I wrote my prayer warriors and just kind of briefly said I didn't get the job that was from this multi-billion dollar company that would make me more money than I've ever made in my life. And that was how I was validating myself. And when that didn't happen, I went to this depression. And I, but I wrote and told people I didn't get the job. Uh, my friend, who's also a counselor, uh, she read that and said, "Hey, you want to talk about it?" And I wouldn't say being a typical man, but I, I said no because I can handle this. Of I counsel course. people. And then mm-hmm. I asked God to can't help me, and He didn't respond. And so uh-huh. I knew I had to call her back. So I called her back and said, "Hey, I'm pretty raw." Uh, but I need help. So I think admitting that I needed help, reaching out for that help was important. Uh, I kept going to church and mm-hmm. it was not the main points of the sermon, but at my pa- my pastor would say a sentence or something that would give me enough to get me going through the week. Mm-hmm. And also with my computer, there's no place to turn off to tell people not to email me. I'm out of the office or whatever. That didn't work on my computer. So people kept emailing me with problems. So I'm still trying to help people in the process. And another thing I think is important too, um, I I work out, I'm an old guy, so I have to keep moving so I can keep moving. (laughs) And so I kept playing tennis and lifting weights, which are really great ways to deal with stress and I think depression. That's that's kind of how I got started with that. You know, real quick, what's the difference? We've talked about disappointment. We've talked about depression. How do you see the difference between those two? Well, disappointment is just a, usually a temporary type deal. It's, it's usually short term. Uh, yep. You know, the coach is not playing for the next couple of weeks. Maybe I hurt my ankle or I can't play. So that's, so you're disappointed you're going to miss some games. Uh, depression uses a long period of time that you just don't see any way out in any, any way, any hope. And so a lot of times we tend to lose hope, but that's typically the difference between the two. 
So why did you write this book? You were going through your own journey, but why did you write the book? Well, I was, the way God does, um, I was working out of it and kind of get my grip on it. And this is in October, 2017. I'm on the board of the Fatherhood Commission with Stephen Kendricks, a guy named Jeff Kemp, Mitch Temple, you know, a bunch of other guys, uh, Jeff Shears, just some really neat guys. And so Mitch asked me to teach, do devotion um, that first week in December for the uh, group. Where, where I was coming out of, that's what got me to teach. So I talked about my bowels of depression. In fact, I call it Biblical Tips for When You're in a Dark Place. That's the name mm-hmm. of the sermon. The response of the people to this 20-minute sermon, because all the time I had, blew me away. They were taking pictures of my slides, people going nuts. And I'm like, I mean, it was crazy. And then I had to preach the next day in Colorado Springs and, and well, Saturday and Sunday, same response. One guy says, the most profound sermon I've ever heard. Hmm, wow. I don't think it's because I was a great preacher. I think the topic was was what was profound. He didn't hear a lot of people talking about depression in the church. And so I told my book agent, he said, you need to write a book on it. And I kind of blew him off. And then I said, I, I just have a sermon. I don't have a book. But over the next year or so, guy began to give me stuff. So I, I wrote the book and I wrote it. It's the most transparent thing ever written, but I wrote it so people who read it. There's a sensitivity in it. Um, it shares my issues with arrogance, but it's a, also let people know that they're not by themselves. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're not the only one. And so it's worth my embarrassment, uh, all stuff in the book for me to, to write it. So that, that really generated me writing the book. So it's a really sensitive book. It's not saying one, two, three, and you're cured. But it's, mm-hmm. it's really as you take small steps and that you have more of a choice and determining factor in life than you may realize. So that, that was some of the reasons I wrote the book. You know, often when people know somebody else really understands where they are in their journey, it gives them that shot of encouragement that even if they're depressed, even if they're really anxious, and maybe they need medical help as well, but certainly, you know, but at least it gives them a, a shot in the arm to say, hey, I'm I'm not alone. I don't have to give up. Right. There is hope. There is help. I just got to keep going one day at a time, as they say, to try to, to work my way through it. So I appreciate your vulnerability. And, I, and I've read most of it. And I think you're, you're you are raw. You're open. You're honest. And uh, and it, I think it does come alongside of people and, and really give them a shot in the arm. So thank well, you. She's, she's a really great counselor. And um she kind of made it easy to be raw, you know, and, and I think, you know, because there's no condemnation. Um, so we talked about loneliness. We talked about depression um, and not that I had those issues. I have had those thoughts of even suicide. So we, there's a chapter for people considering death by suicide that we try and really encourage them to think about before they think about doing the act and those people around them. So, what does God say about being in a dark place? What, what, what is your, your wisdom there on what, what God says about all that? Well, that's a great question. You know, I, I was shocked. I read through the Bible you know, a few times, and I don't ever remember reading Isaiah 45.3 before. I, I don't ever wow. remember reading it. And I read it, and it says this. It says, this is Isaiah 45.3. It says, and I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness, secret riches, I would do this so you may know that I'm the Lord, the God of Israel, the one who calls you by name. And I was blown away by that because what that says is that the darkness is not necessarily a bad place. Uh, The other thing it says that 
Now think about this. It's in the darkness that God hides some hidden treasures, treasures. secret yeah. riches. So, so, so I'm I'm messing around with that because I'm I've always thought that God really didn't deal with our emotions. And but then he says that he's the Lord God of Israel, but he calls us by name. Yeah. And so my dark place can be a holy place. Also, since there are hidden treasures and riches in a dark place, I don't have to rush out of the dark place. And so I don't have to fake being fine. Yeah. And there's a difference between feel a, a pity party. It's not a pity party, but I, I can still work through. I say I'm working through some stuff. So people say, what's going on? I say, well, I'm struggling right now. And that's a very biblical thing, but I'm waiting on God to help me in that process. So it, it just really, and the book is really based on this. It gave me a tremendous freedom and peace while I'm trying to work through my mess. Hmm. We all have a mess in one form or another. And so even if it's not depression you're struggling with, I think what you outline in the book is a journey, not, not a, like you said, it's not one, two, three, four steps and you're cured. It's not even 12 steps to your cure. It's a it's a process to work through whatever it is. And, and so I I personally translated some of the things you were talking about and dealing with depression and work, working through that to some other areas that that I, that I struggle with consistently and to get that journey out of that. So I, I think it transcends. Uh, and so guys, if you're listening and you're thinking, well, I don't I don't struggle with depression. This book isn't for me. Well, you, we all struggle with something. And so I think what Clarence lays out is an important process that we can work through uh, to stay in that dark place, even though it's not depression, it might be uh, an addiction or it might be something else to work through that trouble, that struggle, until we find those treasures in the middle of that dark place to help us as we're moving forward. I think that's yeah. helpful. Well, I, you know, I just think um, some things I learned in the process or I'm learning in the process uh, one, I think everybody's abnormal, but some are more abnormal <laughs> than others. Uh, but I, I, some things that I learned to admit my weakness, that was that was helpful to me. I learned some of my triggers. Uh, I'm learned I need help. And even I had a counselor, which was great. Didn't make me less than a man. A key thing, I stopped beating myself up. I think a lot of times we as men tend to beat ourselves up. I learned to forgive myself. I learned to let go of my past so I can live in the present wow. and the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to like ourselves uh, for our own sake and for those around us. And so I'm more sensitive to other people in general, especially those that are wounded. And, and then I think the other thing that came out of this is that I learned to see myself the way God sees me, which is just yeah. huge. And so that really taught me more about self-worth, not self-worship. Mm-hmm. Mm. Good. Wow, that's a big statement. Mm-hmm. Self-worth versus self-worship. You mentioned you, you finally you're learning to see yourself as God sees you. Where, yeah. where does it, and he's our heavenly father? Let's talk right. about fathers and the impact that fathers have on boys in particular, but but children and and spouses. So what, what, how does this how does that impact? Is there a connection there? Well, you know, most kids uh, want to be like their dads. Uh, yeah. they, they, they gravitate to their dads. It's not uncomfortable to say daddy first before they say mommy, much to chagrin of mothers. Uh, but God, <laughs> gave women, he gave women a tremendous privilege and responsibility of birthing life, but he gave to men the tr- tremendous privilege and responsibility of shaping that life. Yeah. It doesn't mean that most don't have input and shape, but he's really, if you do the research, 
how the father goes, 96% of the family goes. Hmm. Some people say that was even too high, but, it, but they had the, the lowest percentage of that. 75% of the family goes with the dad, you know, and only 25% follows the mom. So, and it's not putting people down. It's just different roles and different functions. Hmm. You know, none of the three of us have ever had kids. I mean, been pregnant. So that's something right, we can't right, do. Right. So it's not putting people down. It's a different function. But the dad piece is, is huge. And a lot of times we may try and find validation in something if we didn't get that from our dad or if I, we, or we did, or we grew up without a dad in our home. Yeah. So, so I think those are issues that we struggle with. And I was always trying to get affirmation from my dad, but we were poor. So he's working two or three jobs, which in his world, he was saying, I love you. But my world, I'm saying, you know, dad, you know, Hey, I'm more important than the money. And he, but he grew up in a really poor situation we did. So, I mean, they had a bathroom outside of the house. With our house, at least had a bathroom inside the house. So for them, that he was successful, if that makes sense to you. It does. Talk, talk about the, the, well, let me, let me back up. Just ask him, did, did your dad ever affirm you or tell you he loved you? What did that, how did that no. work? No, no, I was, um, <laughs> My dad was really hard worker. Uh, I was an odd. I was into basketball. I was in North Carolina. We have basketball tobacco and Baptist primitive in that order. And so my God, my God was basketball before I became a believer. And so, uh, but my dad never told me that. And I remember I was at Wake Forest University at their all-star team. I made the all-star team. I was the only kid getting a standing ovation. And my dad was there. He took me to the uh, campus, you know, what do you call it? Uh, and got me a Coke. And then uh, everybody knew I won this trophy and got a stand ovation. But he never really said much. And when he left to go work his third job, I said told my mom, I said, Dad didn't love me. And she said, yeah, he does. He just doesn't know how to tell you that because mm-hmm. your grandfather never told him that. And there's a much longer wow. story that I won't go into. But my mom, I was fortunate. She's a student of my dad. She wouldn't let me say negative things about my dad. But through my mom, I got my dad's blessing indirectly. And that changed everything in our life together. And um, a year, well, two years, well, three years later, I led my dad to Christ. Wow. And then 18 months after that, my dad was killed. So uh, we went from being not very close to being very close. And, um, you know, so, but yeah, but he never told me he loved me. So. That obviously had played to have an, an instrumental part in that, and that that's really a powerful part of your story. Your mom, you know, connected the the two emotions of the of two prominent men, her husband and her son, and she connected those emotions that otherwise mm. wouldn't have been there and connected. No, you're right. You're right. It's it's uh, it's really profound mm. because my dad wouldn't know how to communicate, and I didn't know how to really ask for it. You know, so it was just, um, but she was, you're very right on that. Yeah, she's a very wise woman to know that you needed that in your life. And it wasn't going to, wasn't going to be easily brought to you. So I'm glad. What a, what a powerful story. I'm I'm hearing that and I'm just resonating with that because of the impact that it could have in a man's life. Absolutely. That's really great. Again, the title is Finding Hope in a Dark Place. Facing loneliness, depression, and anxiety. And we know that today men struggle with those three things specifically, loneliness, depression, and anxiety. 
Part of it's pandemic. Part of it's the fact that we're a guy. We're supposed to have our act together. Men don't cry. Men don't, you know, as, as they as they say, which is none of that's true. But um, uh, your book is extremely beneficial. If somebody wants to get a hold of your book, and I and I hope I hope all of you do. How, how do they do that, Clarence? Well, just go to Amazon.com and and just get it, and that's is a great way to get it. It's really quick. So uh, that would just a real simple way to do that. If they want to get a hold of me or email me. Yep. Um, yep. They just go to my website, which is Clarence, not Clarence, but ClarenceShuler.com. There's no C in the last name. We were very poor. We couldn't afford any extra letters. So it's <laughs> ClarenceShuler.com. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, guys, I'll put uh, both the book and an Amazon link, and I'll put uh, Dr. Shuler's uh, website in there. Uh, and I've been on it. Got a lot of free resources, a lot of opportunities for you to, to get help. Clarence and his wife do marriage uh, seminars with family life. They do their own seminars. He speaks to businesses. He speaks to um, organizations that uh, look to do any number of things. But cross-cultural is one of them, certainly, along with many other things. So, Clarence, it's a joy to have you. It's, it's even a bigger joy to be a friend. I thank you for the work you do. And the privilege we have of uh, of walking together on that. So God bless you. Appreciate it so much. Well, thanks for having me on the show. It's been fun to get connected with Dale a little bit and his quick wit. And Wendell's been great to be with you. And just I thank God for our friendship. So thanks you guys both very much. Amen. Thanks. Well, what a great topic. What a great opportunity. And uh, guys, I I know this has value to you. So I want to encourage you again to get the book. Jump on the website and get uh, get some additional resources. Just a reminder that our episodes do launch the first and third Thursdays of every month. If you've not yet subscribed, please do so either on our website or wherever you consume a podcast. We do have show notes and I'll put, like I said, the name of the book, the Amazon link and uh, Clarence's um, website in there as well. Look forward to having you next time. Thanks again for joining us today. You are the reason we exist. We do all of this because every man deserves an opportunity to become an authentic, biblically-based man of God. Bless you.